earlier this month, we began a journey of how God desires for us to be awakened to the abundant life and profound intimacy, the love of God there whereby we experience a profound compassion, love of neighbor, and love of ourselves. Henry David Thoreau once wrote, Most people lead lives of quiet desperation, and they go to the grave with a song still in them. Quiet desperation. Does this resonate with you? I know at times it can resonate with me. Sometimes I look at my life and I say, my goodness, there's this ginormous gap between who I aspire to to become and where I am, especially spiritually. Many times I'll plead, oh my God, I'm sorry. There's so many wasted days in this abundant life belong to you in that living I feel I keep missing the point whereby this quiet desperation seems to rise at times and I want to shake out that squelched silence that pleading life cry and it can transfer over into our daily lives and also Physically and emotionally and definitely spiritually. At times we'll see our friends and they ask, how are you doing? Fine, we answer. I recently read that the word fine can become a fitting acronym in this context. Frustrated, impatient, nervous, and exhausted. We manage this quiet desperation in many ways. We walk around pretending things are okay. Yet we know it feels like life has lost its color, its flavor. Why? I think it's because we stop short of what God wants us to experience in this second half of the gospel in this Christian life, to go all in. I think being, we, we maybe think being a Christian is all about sin management when it's not. We sin, we're sorry, we're forgiven. And we repeat, we sin, we're sorry, we're forgiven. And then it moves into that holy dissatisfaction. And if this continues, we begin to ignore the numerous possibilities of the call of God to come for these spiritual blessings and abundant life that God offers. We also bypass those things that can happen when we encounter God in worship, reading of the word, inner healing, and simply spending time with God daily. And then we become wholly discontent. This gap grows and we become asleep at the wheel of the spiritual. Fake smiles appear. We say, I'm fine. But really we're saying, I'm fine. Don't ask again. 
And that can be our reality. Our lives are not created to be that kind of fine or simply to get by. God wants to give us full, abundant life. And Jesus even said it himself, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And that word might, that's a pretty big word. You see, the hard truth is is that we cannot exist in this quiet desperation, this holy dissatisfaction realm for too long. Multiple crises will occur. The ups and down swings will occur. The Apostle Paul knows what I am preaching about when he wrote in Romans 7, 15 through 20. And you have to listen closely and I'm going to try to nail every word and you'll understand why. He writes, I do not understand what I do. For I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. And it is. It is no longer I myself who do it, but it is the sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is, in my sinful nature. For I have a desire to do what is good. But I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do. But the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. You see, Paul, like us, found that there were dynamics within him that were inconsistent with God's wholeness, will, and way. You see, in Paul's day, the Greeks thought wholeness would come through knowing more and more and more and gaining wisdom and knowledge to help on the life journey. Basically, (laughs) education will get you there. For the Jew... It came through keeping every detail of the law, adhering like a Pharisee to get there, never-ending pursuit of that. However, Paul found that both of these led to holy discontentment and days of frustration, never-ending pursuit of things that are outside the life and the spirit which causes performance traps and crises. Paul looked back on his life of trying to keep the law and found it was impossible because of that sin nature that existed within him. And you can see the madness in Paul's pen. It's as if he got down on his knees and just pleaded as he wrote all of these do's and do not because of that failure of the flesh. This passage is one of the best examples in Scripture of what is called cognitive dissonance. It's a term in the counseling realm. It's used to describe the mental discomfort that results from holding two conflicting beliefs or values or thoughts or attitudes. People tend to seek consistency in their attitudes and perception. And so this conflict causes feelings of uneasiness 
and discomfort. Basically, you have this belief and your behavior or your thought or your attitude does not match that belief. And this incompatibility or dissonance can happen when you do something that goes against the value that is important to you. Or maybe you learn a new piece of information that disagrees with that long-standing belief or opinion. As humans, we generally prefer that our world would make sense. So cognitive dissonance can be so, so distressing. Especially as Paul describes this sinful nature within that is constantly battling, trying to mess things up. Here's one example of cognitive dissonance that I found. Let's say you have your dog and you take your dog for a daily walk around your neighborhood. And, and any responsible dog owner would put those little baggies in just in case the dog does his or her business. And one day you realize you forgot the bag about halfway through your walk and your dog chooses that moment to go. <laughs> you take a quick look around the streets and your neighbors and your yards because it's in broad daylight. No one's around. So you call your dog and you hustle away. But once at home you feel guilty. You know it's not right to leave your dog's mess there. And you're even tempted to get in your car and maybe clean it up. But you don't. You think, what if someone steps in it or ruins your neighbor's lovely yard? But then you begin to think, oh, it's just one time. You tell yourself and you, you run out of bags and then you just... Don't even replace them and just continue to do that. That's cognitive dissonance. <laughs> it's not like you're the only one that does it, as you tell yourself. You've seen other dogs' messes in the neighborhood, and if other people don't pick it up, why, I, then I can get away with it as well. And so we find that our actions and thoughts and attitudes move further and further and further away from our beliefs. And sometimes it comes to the point where this discontentment or dissatisfaction just causes a gap to where we don't care anymore. It's just a simple example of how we can compromise in our lives. And there's so many other ways to do that. And you can probably think of some right now. And they are lies or negative influences that happen from the world. The discontentment and dissonance and dissatisfaction grows. And we go into that, we sin, we're sorry, we ask for forgiveness, and we stay in that realm. And we don't experience the second half of the gospel. And Paul was very familiar with his life. At the end of chapter 7, he writes in frustration, So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law in my mind, making me prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And then he goes on to plead, O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall save me from this body of death? You see, there's two outcomes of this spiritual discontentment. The first can be a bad outcome. Numbing affluence. Disastrous addictions. Purposeless living. 
finding material things or experiences of the flesh to take away the pain of that discontentment. And those things are 100% outside the will of God. And it'll feed that sinful nature as Paul is referring to. And then we'll begin to condemn ourselves. We'll stay in that vicious cycle of sin, sorry, forgiveness. And where the reality is, we're staying inside the chapter of Romans 7. However, another outcome can be spiritual breakthrough, awakening. The beginning of awakening in our lives is signaled by a growing awareness of this gnawing dissatisfaction in the pit of our souls. True growth most often begins with that growing sense of dissonance, discontentment, dissatisfaction. And we're dissatisfied with the way things are. We're not the person we hoped we would become by now. But when we pay attention to this dissatisfaction, it can lead us to tremendous breakthrough with a greater purpose in our lives. And God's Spirit will always nudge us. And in the background, it's saying, it's God saying, really, my child, I want you to have this abundant life in me and through me. Satisfaction in me. Fullness in me. And we have to pay attention to that voice of breakthrough. And, it will, and when we do it, it will, we will open up the vault of our quiet desperation and bringing forth our dissatisfaction into God's truth. And it might be even named out loud to God, offered to God. And in this conversation that we have with God, it must happen. And sometimes we just need to pray out loud or write it down. A couple of years ago, I, I came to the point of almost throwing a towel in on ministry. There was just this deep, holy dissatisfaction. I was beating my head against my pastor's study, trying to change a church that really didn't want to change. But it just wasn't that. I was wounded. I was weary in this dissatisfaction. I began compromising I was allowing the pain of the past to define me. And my self-talk was horrible. Yet I put on a happy face and said time and time again, Oh, I'm fine. When really I wasn't. I needed inner healing. I needed to give all of my hurts and habits and hang-ups and move through this growing dissatisfaction. And I remember praying after some help and inner healing, this prayer that David prayed, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation and sustain within me a willing spirit. And that is a prayer of wellness. I found that that holy dissatisfaction meant coming to grips with the untruth in my inmost being. And I found that God was there. I found that this holy discontentment, this holy dissatisfaction, it, it really is a beautiful sign of God working. And he was working. 
And he wants to offer that healing touch and deliverance and transformation in my inner being and in your inner being. You know what? I didn't find condemnation. (laughs) I found grace and truth. And it happened right here at Anderson Hills. Inner healing, prayer, and session. Folks, this is where a new day begins. In the darkness of dissonance, when our holy dissatisfaction, it awakes a new dawn and light breaks into our existence. God desires to break through and come alongside of us. And you see, folks, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, there are wounds that need to be healed and strongholds that need to be torn down through life in the Spirit of God. And because of that, You may find yourself willing to grow in your walk with Christ, but maybe you're finding that you're spiritually unable. Well, Anderson Hills is doing some pretty incredible things in this. We are hosting, beginning this week, Breakthrough Workshops. This Tuesday, uh, January 19th, 6.30 to 8.30 or 8 p.m., and it's going to be via Zoom Uh, because of our uh, county being in purple, we'll address the whys and hows behind negative thoughts and unhealthy behaviors in life. It'll also equip you for the strategies of how to overcome and find freedom in Christ Jesus. And it will propel you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. These sessions will be taught by Sharon Gard, our Director of Curriculum Development. Please go to our website on our events page and sign up for these workshops that will go on until February 23rd. You see, many of us find ourselves stalled in the journey to become fruitful followers of Jesus Christ. And if you find yourself dealing with these negative thoughts and unhealthy habits and irrational feelings that you can't seem to leave behind, I want you to know that you're not alone. God wants you and I to experience this complete healing and wellness. God desires that you and I grow daily in His grace. And really, when you look at it, and I encourage you to read Romans chapter 8, it's swinging out of chapter 7 into chapter 8. And you can see the incredible things, that there's no condemnation for those who belong in Christ Jesus. You see love and life in the Spirit in that chapter, and it's a different realm of living. You can also read so many uh, victory language in Paul's letters. One of the most encouraging statements I've found in Paul's letter is Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. I want you to close your eyes and just behold it in your mind. If you're in your living room or kitchen or or somewhere else, just, just listen to this. And it's a prayer for you, for me. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his riches, his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power of his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Did you catch those last ten words? They're the most unfathomable words we could ever imagine as human beings. Here they are, filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. How can it be possible for you and me to be filled with the full measure of God? This is a destination of movement of the soul that God desires to have with you and me. It's that passage through spiritual discontentment. It's him working in the depths, wanting to uh, have us experience the fullness, his fullness. And, and so how might this work, being filled with the full measure of God, the fullness of God? First, you note in the scripture that it was given to us in the form of a prayer. The centerpiece of grasping how long, how wide, how deep, and how high the love of Christ is. And Paul is praying for that. And it's something that is to be grasped. It is a reality that is there. It is the one thing, it's one thing to get it as an intellectual concept and even to believe it. But that's not the prayer that he prays. He says we have to grasp it. It's something to be experienced in a different way, a much deeper, deeper way through a deep relationship of abiding in Christ Jesus and to know something beyond the knowledge. And also, I believe, it is more than just adhering to a rule. It's a level of experience, yet deeper than a feeling. It happens when God strengthens you with the power through His Spirit in your inner being. We actually need the power of the Father through the Spirit to comprehend the love of God through the Son. And He's praying that we, being rooted and established in love, may have that power. And it's not love as a feeling. It is love as power. We are getting way past spiritual milk. Into the meat of maturing, nurturing faith. And it is life through his spirit. And there's one small and mostly overlooked phrase that needs to be pointed out. It's this one. Together with the Lord's people. Paul prays in verse 18. You see, we can't do this alone. If we try to do it alone... We'll go back into holy dissatisfaction. It'll worm its way in. It'll happen in the body of Christ, the church, the unity of the Holy Spirit. No, we don't, we don't always have to be uh, together for it to happen. But we must live this way in relationship personally and together as a community of faith. Will you please Join me in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for the fact that you have come that we might have life and have that abundantly and experience the fullness of you. 
in these heavenly realms, not when we pass away, but right in the now, presently. You're so faithful, Almighty God. And we know we have to walk through this, but we do not do it alone in this holy discontentment. But you're there. You lead your children, and you want your children to experience this thriving, abundant life through your Spirit. We pray wherever we are, whether we're in our kitchen, our living room, or our bedroom, or here in the sanctuary, God, that you would meet us right there. And you do. You're faithful. And we thank you for that love. May we abide in you and trust in you in all things, together and personally. We pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.